reading today is from Ephesians chapter 1 and verses 1 to 23, which is on the screen, or you'll find it on page 1173 of your pew Bibles. Um, It's quite a long passage, so I thought it'd be quite nice if we just, for a few seconds, just try to calm ourselves and to be still and wait for the Holy Spirit to speak truth into our hearts this morning as we listen to God-breathed scripture. So Ephesians 1, chapter 1, verse 1. Uh, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, The forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ. To be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment. To bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession, to the praise of his glory. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking, asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, 
far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Andy. Isn't that an amazing passage? Um, I cannot possibly do justice to it in sort of 15 minutes or so, um, but I hope you know, to draw out um, some themes that will really help us. And my purpose in putting this series together is, is to really encourage us as a church to really think about who it is that we are. Um, and of course in the, the TV series that's all about looking at your family and all of that sort of stuff. And that's really important actually. It's a really important piece of work we all need to do is to come to terms with our family of origin and the things we've inherited from them that are really good and the things that we've inherited or patterns of behaviour that might not be so good. And knowing that in Jesus those things can be forgiven and redeemed and they can be, we can break any patterns from the past that are unhelpful. Um, and the reason for that is because we are now in the family of Jesus. So the really clear answer to that question, who do you think you are, is we are members of the family of Jesus. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. And one, what a wonderful family this is. And of course, we're not just brothers and sisters in Christ here at St. Stephen's, but we're brothers and sisters with Christ, with people who don't look like us, who don't speak our language, who don't even believe some of the things we believe. Um, because we are a worldwide church and it is such a privilege to be part of God's church here on earth. So, this, so that question, who do you think you are, is both singular and plural. So it applies both to us as individuals, knowing what our identity in Christ is. And secondly, it applies to us as a church, who do we think we are. So right from the outset, I want to say that this is a fantastic church. Uh, it has been my joy and privilege to serve you over these last ten and a half years. And I hope that as we just spend these last few weeks together, that you will have an increased confidence in who you are as the Church of God here at St. Stephen's, who you are as individual Christians, and that that will in, enable us to know God more deeply, uh, to share his love more widely, and to be agents of transformation and of uh, spreading uh, the gospel throughout the world actually just to, not just locally but throughout the world so let's pray Jesus our hearts cannot and our minds cannot quite contain all of the spiritual blessings that you lavish upon us but Lord would you just speak to every single person here today as an individual, wherever we're at, whether we're feeling sad, whether we're feeling far away from you, whether we're feeling close to you, Lord, wherever we are, would you meet us? And would you reveal to us who we are in you? This amazing truth that we are in Christ, that we are loved uh, by you, that we are precious to you as your children. And Lord, teach us also what it means to be your church, 
Help us to work out and to know and discern what our part is in this church as individuals, what our role is as a church in this area, and indeed as we seek to spread your love across the world. So Lord Jesus, be with us today as we uh, seek to understand. As Paul prayed, we want (coughs) your spirit of wisdom and revelation to open our hearts and our minds to your love and to deeper knowledge of you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is such a rich passage, <coughs> and Andy did a great job of reading it actually, because it's quite a hard passage to read, and the reason for that is in the original Greek, the original language it was written in, the first 13 verses are just one big sort of splurge, one big sort of sentence, because it's as if Paul's like bubbling over. Have you ever had that experience of um, you know, you're boiling the potatoes or the pasta on the stove and you sort of go off and do something else and you come, is that just me? And you come back and it's all boiling over and uh, I do that too often because I'm always thinking, oh, I'll just do this, I'll just do that. Um, and uh, that's what Paul, Paul is just bubbling over with a love and with joy and trying to sort of express what it is that we have in Christ. And uh, just a bit of background as well is that although this letter is called uh, Ephesians and it's addressed to the Ephesians, most scholars think that it was actually more of a circular letter um, that was sent to sort of various churches around Asia, Asia Minor at the time. And we can know that as well because you know how in some of Paul's letters he sort of really personal and he says, oh yeah, can you just say hello to Bob and to Tom and to Dick and Harry, and, uh, and I left my scrolls there, so could, you, could I pick them up? And uh, Oh yeah, and, and don't forget about so-and-so. So there's none of that really in this letter. It's much more of a sort of general letter to these uh, churches. And I said right at the beginning, uh, it's been called by uh, many scholars the gospel of the church, because it actually is, if you like, Paul's manifesto of what the church should be like. And it's it's a letter of two halves. So the first half of the letter is all sort of about doctrine and about you know, the truth of who we are in Jesus. And then in the second half of the letter, it gets much more practical. We're not going to be able to cover all of Ephesians in five weeks, but we will get to, I think we'll get to chapter five. Um, so I'm really excited about being on this journey with you of trying to work out who we are, to affirm who we are in Christ and to be confident for the future that as God has called me uh, elsewhere, has called me into a new role, that he will call the next person here and that he will continue to call you. Um, And my biggest prayer for all of you is that you would just seek God. You would be seekers after God and you would be seekers after his will uh, for you and that you would be agents of transformation in the many many different spheres of influence that you all have just think about the number of people that you have influence over in some way whether that be in work or in your family or amongst friends and we are called to be agents of light we are called to be agents of transformation and that is an incredible privilege and we'll see later that we don't do that in our own strength we're empowered and equipped by God and by his Holy Spirit. And so many of us as Christians just have no idea how much God has given us. Have no idea how um, we have the gifts of the Spirit at our disposal. Uh, not for our own benefit, but actually to bring glory to God and to reveal him to others. So the overarching theme of 
um, Ephesians is actually about cosmic reconciliation. In other words, it's not just about, we often focus on individual reconciliation, so about our individual salvation and our personal salvation, and that's good. Uh, Of course it is. We want each of us need to make a choice as to whether we want to follow Jesus for ourselves um, and then know all of the benefits of knowing Jesus, which we'll look at in a moment. But it's also about cosmic reconciliation. It's about the reconciliation of the whole created order to God. That's why in uh, John chapter 3 it says, for God so loved the whole world. And that means the whole world. (laughs) It means the whole cosmos, the whole universe. And that's why care for creation and those sort of things, being an eco-church, which we've done recently, is actually as much part of the gospel as it is seeking individual reconciliation with people, between people and God. So that's the sort of overarching theme, both reconciliation of ourselves as individuals to God, but also of the whole created order. Um, A few years ago, some of us uh, went to hear some talks by a guy called Pete Hughes at New Wine. I think there was a few of us there. I've got a slide. The next slide is a dodgy picture that I took um, of what he was trying to say. But I thought this was brilliant because it's really simple. So this is a way of understanding the whole sweep of scripture in a nutshell. So it started with creation. It started with creation. And then, of course... We, the bit that's crossed out, which is the cross of Jesus, it says decreation. And so with the fall and with sort of, uh, humanity's rebellion against God, there was this whole process of, of decreation where things just began to unravel. But then with people like Abraham, uh, who were given the covenant, things began to turn around. And then ultimately with Jesus coming, um, that decreation um, um, process began to be reversed through the resurrection. And so we are now part, so we're on the line, the resurrection line towards recreation. So we are part of the people who who are the church, started on the day of Pentecost when the people there are filled with the Holy Spirit. And we are part of God's recreative plan. And that's the thing that never ceases to blow my mind as a Christian, that God actually... His plans can only be fulfilled when you and I are in partnership with him. I mean, that's quite astounding, isn't it? That we have a God who actually needs us to partner with him, to be part of his redemptive and his restorative work, his work of recreation here on earth. I don't really totally understand how that works, but I know it's true. That we are called to be agents of reconciliation, agents of recreation. So always be looking for ways in which you can be creative, actually. Creativity is a God-given thing. We are made in the image of God to be creative. And you can be creative in the way that you do business. You can be creative in the way that you um, lead a meeting. You can be creative in all sorts of different ways. And that's part of being made in the image of God. So that's really, really important. Um, Okay, we're going to move on to uh, think about spiritual blessings. Um, Just before I do that, a quote that I really like about the church. The church is a worldwide community under the lordship of Christ through which God's purposes for the world are to be realised. That's something Pete Hughes said, actually. The church is a worldwide community under the lordship of Christ through which God's purposes for the world are to be realised. And, of course, the church is comprised of you and of me. 
So who's going to fulfill God's purposes in the world? You and me. Isn't that amazing? I mean, it's pretty daunting as well. Um, but it's really exciting that we are um, called to be part of that. And the reality is, I don't know how many times I've, people have said to me, well, I'm a Christian, but I don't need to go to church. Well, sort of true. You can, of course, be a Christian on your own, and you can pray, and you can um, draw close to God. But actually, that's a very inadequate way of being a Christian. We're actually called to be Christians together as part of the church. That's why so much of the New Testament is about the church. And even back then, it wasn't a perfect church. People fell out. People disagreed with each other. They thought different things. And sometimes we're put off being part of churches because of all of those things. Well, that's the church. It's imperfect. And amazingly, God uses it. So I'd really encourage you, as we go forward as a church, not to be tempted to think, oh, well... I can't be bothered to go this week. Um, I've got something more important to do. Um, It's really important that we are together. Actually, it's really important that we are the church together because actually as as a body together, we are fulfilling God's purposes. That is what we're called to do. Another quote about a church, the church from John Stott, who's another great author, is... Um, for the sake of the glory of God and the evangelization of the world, nothing is more important than the church becoming God's new society. And so Ephesians is talking about the church being um, a transformative community, the family of God, agents of reconciliation to the world. Because on our own, it's really hard to do that, isn't it? But together, we can do so much. We can be a living sign and a living symbol of God's love and God's glory. And so my purpose in in this series is to encourage you to see yourselves as God sees you. Who do you think you are? You are a child of God. And to continue to grow in maturity into this identity which is already yours through Christ. There's a, a truism that I've heard said a few times which is become who you are become who you are. We, are. we are children of God. We'll see these things now. These amazing spiritual blessings that we're each given. Andy read to us, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. And that in Christ phrase is really important. It means that we are grafted into the family of God um, both Jews and Gentiles, that's a whole other theme which we haven't got time to go into. But Ephesians is also about reconciliation between Jews and Gentiles, that actually we're all one in the family of God. Reconciliation is so powerful. So let's have a look at some of these, um, let's have a look at some of these blessings. First of all, verses 4 and 5. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight, In love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Now I'm not going to preach a sermon about predestination. uh, That's complex and people disagree with it. But I think the simplest way I think about predestination is that God always had us in mind. He always had us in mind that we would be his children even before we were born. I don't know about you, but I don't really get that. That's, that's quite a hard thing to get my head around. But God is God. 
His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than ours. We can't possibly understand the mind of God. But we were in his mind before we were even thought of. And he chose us before we chose him. He, ch- he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. And this is so difficult to understand, but we simply need to accept that and praise God for the fact that we are chosen rather than try and overanalyze that. I, I personally don't think we need to overanalyze that. We just need to accept that we are loved and that we are chosen. And then there's some other amazing doctrine and theme that we are adopted, that we are adopted. And many of you will know that I'm, um, I don't know whether there's such a phrase, but this is what I say, I'm half adopted. So my, um, my dad uh, met my mum, who, you know, I'd already been born, and my birth father sort of went off, uh, didn't stay around for very long. And when I was adopted, I was about seven or eight, and my name was changed. So I used to be called Daniel Jones, Boyle. And I can't even do a Welsh accent now, can I? Sorry, Neil. Um, uh, even though I used to have one, apparently. Um, so I was Daniel Jones, and I remember very clearly the day when I went, to, we had to go to a family court, and the judge said to me, gave me my new birth certificate, and it said, your name is now Daniel Wignall. And that's what happens to us. When we are born into the family of Jesus, our name is changed in the sense that we are now sons and daughters of God. God becomes our father. And we become brothers and sisters of one another. And that's incredibly profound. And the reason it says sons in the Bible is not because it's being un-PC. It's because back in the Roman times, it was only sons that were adopted. And so when it says sons, it's just talking about the legal status that is conferred to those people who were adopted, as, as indeed I have been, that I now am fully integrated into my dad's family. I've never felt of my myself as anything else other than a wignal actually with all my cousins and everyone else they are my family and I've been adopted into that family and I'm very grateful for that um, profound experience of something of God's love through my adoption and we are adopted into God's family we are his precious children and we're part of a worldwide family as I've mentioned um, there's also a bit later Paul talks about predestination and ado- and uh, been chosen and stuff in verses 11 and 12 and I'm just going to read the message version of those verses because I think this really puts it really clearly so this is verse 11 and 12 of the message translation it is in Christ that we find out who we are that's good isn't it it is in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for long before we first we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up he had his eye on us he had designs on us for glorious living part of the overall purpose he is working out in everything and everyone it is in Christ that we find out who we are and so many of us spend our lives trying to work us you know find ourselves work out who we are and yet the answer is is there all of the time that we are in Christ that we are his children and actually any other identity we have as a parent or as a son or daughter ourselves or as a um, an accountant or a teacher or a um, homemaker or whatever, whatever our, our identity is those things are secondary to our identity as being children of God and once we get that once we let go of the need for um, affirmation and um, status and approval 
from all of these other things or money or whatever, then honestly, it is such a freedom. It is such a freedom. I know many of you know that. But it's really, it takes us to that place where we have to be prepared to let go of all of that stuff. We have to die to ourselves. And that's the paradox of Christianity, that we die to ourselves in order to have freedom and new life. And I'd really encourage you to do that today if you've not done that, to turn to Jesus and give him your life. And then I'm realizing the time's rushing on because I'm so excited about all this stuff. So the second thing is God, the Son, has redeemed us. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. This is verse 7 and 8. That he has lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. Again, Paul's just trying to think of every superlative he can think of to say how much we have in Jesus, that he's lavished his grace upon us with all wisdom and understanding. We have basically had the ransom paid, the, we, we've had the price paid for our rebellion and our sinfulness. Jesus has paid the price. Again, I could say a lot more about that. He's lavished his grace upon us, he's forgiven us, we are set free. We can't earn salvation by being good, we just simply have to accept it. We can't earn salvation by doing stuff for God. God just longs for us to be with him. And it is out of our being with God that we do stuff for him because we want to do the things that our Father calls us to do. And then thirdly, we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. I am sealed by the Holy Spirit, a guarantee of my inheritance in Christ. So verses 13 and 14. And you were included in Christ, there's that phrase again, in Christ, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having believed you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. That word that's translated deposit in modern Greek is the same word for an engagement ring. And do you get the sort of connection there that when you get engaged, it's like, a okay, we're, we're promised to one another. And some of us have the joy of having children who are engaged this year. Jacob's going to be getting married to Ellen in September, which is just a great joy to us. And they both wear engagement rings as a, a sign of their love for each other, as a sign of their commitment to one another. And one day, in fact, September the 8th, uh, that will all be for, come together as they are married. And so we await the full fulfillment of Jesus coming again, of us being fully, um, the, the, the new creation, the new heaven and the earth being fully realized. But, at the, but while we're waiting, we have the engagement ring of the Holy Spirit, God's seal and God's promise that he has lavished upon us the riches of his grace and that we have power and we are equipped to do the things the Holy Spirit calls us to do. So just in a couple of minutes, I'm going to look at the second half. So the first half of the passage has been about uh, you know, the spiritual blessings, and the second half of the passage is about a life of prayer. Um, so let's just look very briefly at that. So a life of prayer. Paul begins with thanks, and let me um, just read the prayer. Paul says, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. And part of the reason I wanted to preach on Ephesians is because that has been my prayer for you. That has been my prayer for you. 
over the last 10 and a bit years, but, prime, but especially in the last uh, few weeks as I've uh, um, been preparing to move on, um, I am absolutely full of thanks for every single one of you um, and full of joy for the ways in which I've seen you uh, serve God, be obedient to him, but actually just grow deeper in your relationship with him. As you know, if you've been around for any length of time, uh, I've been going on a lot about how we're called to grow deeper in our relationship with God, our relationship with one another, our relationship with those who don't yet know the Lord. That is my absolute desire that you would have the spirit of wisdom that you may know him better. That's what we're called to do. Jesus just longs to know us better. He longs for us to spend time with him. Like any of us who are parents or uh, grandparents or uncles or aunts, we, we long to spend time with our children. And God longs to spend time with us. And yet we, we're often, you know, like that kid who's like, sorry, Dad, I'm a bit busy. Uh, maybe next week, maybe the week after, or maybe in a year. I was speaking to someone yesterday who sees their daughter once a year and they only live half an hour up the road. That's so sad. But what about us? How often do we really spend time with the Lord? How long do we, how much time do we really give to him? And one of the things you know I've been saying to you over and over again is that if we want to grow to be spiritual adults, to grow in spiritual maturity, we need to learn to feed ourselves. The definition of a spiritual child is that we still need to be spoon-fed. So what are we doing day by day to feed ourselves? What are we doing day by day to read the Bible, to pray? And if you don't know where to start, the little Lent booklets that we've been selling are really, really good. Um, another thing you can do which I used in helping me prepare for this morning there's a brilliant little app called the U Bibles anyone use that? Uh, yeah it's brilliant and if you want to hear the dulcet tones of David Suchet reading the Bible to you uh, just open the NIV UK version and you can hear him read it to you and so I listened one of the ways I prepare for sermons is listen to the passage over and over again and it's quite nice having David Suchet read it to me um, so um, that's another thing you can do. Just There's so many resources now. There's so many apps. Um, there's no excuse for not having a daily discipline of prayer and Bible reading. And if you think that's a tall order, just start small. Honestly, two minutes a day is better than, than just waiting till Sunday and thinking I'll get my spiritual fix on a Sunday. A couple of minutes every day. Then maybe five. Just spend time with the Lord every day. That would be my encouragement to you. And then it carries on. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Wow. Gosh, I haven't really got time to unpack that. But isn't that amazing? That we are given God's power through the Holy Spirit and that it is so that we can... Um, we can proclaim his glory. We can proclaim this amazing message of reconciliation. So be encouraged. Be encouraged that God is already working through this church. That God is already working through each of you. But let's resolve to, to know him even better. Let's resolve to reflect 
his love even more uh, as a church, as, as, as St. Stephen's church. And let's resolve to not give up meeting together. Let's continue to encourage each other, to spur each other on, and to know how much we are loved, how much we are known by Jesus who wants to know us more deeply. So let's stand.